Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a great job, and you can find out more by visiting johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. You can find out more by visiting lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadoma, our state senator, just finishing up the legislative session. We'll find out what's new with Boo. Boo Mortens will be joining us. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government, and I'll, we'll visit with the author of Greetings from Paradise. My wife, Linda, will be with us as well. Well, it is uh, May the 4th, and on this day in 1970, who will ever forget this? In Kent, Ohio, 28 National Guardsmen fired their weapons at a group of anti-war demonstrators at the Kent State University campus, killing four students, wounding eight, and permanently paralyzing another. The tragedy was a watershed moment for a nation divided by the conflict in Vietnam and further galvanized the anti-war movement. Two days earlier, on May the 2nd, National Guard troops were called to Kent to suppress student rioting in protest of the Vietnam War and the U.S. invasion of Cambodia. The next day, scattered protests were dispersed by tear gas, and on May 4th, class resumed at Kent State University. By noon that day, despite a ban on rallies, some 2,000 people had assembled on the campus. National Guard troops arrived and ordered the crowd to disperse, fired tear gas, and advanced against the students with bayonets fixed on their rifles. Some of the protesters, refusing to yield, responded by throwing rocks, not so smart, and verbally taunting the troops. Minutes later, without firing a warning shot, the guardsmen discharged more than 60 rounds toward a group of demonstrators in a nearby parking lot, killing four and wounding nine. The closest casualty was 20 yards away, and the furthest was almost 250 yards away. After a period of disbelief, shock, and attempts at first aid, angry students gathered on a nearby slope and were again ordered to move by the guardsmen. Faculty members were able to convince the group to disperse and further bloodshed was prevented. The shootings led to protests on college campuses across the country. Photographs of the massacre became enduring images of the anti-war movement. In 1974, at the end of a criminal investigation, a federal court dropped all charges levied against eight Ohio National Guardsmen for their role in the Kent State uh, deaths. Sad story indeed, a strategic inflection point in the anti-war movement. I think the in our day, and I was part of that generation, uh, we were anti-war for sure and anti-expansion, uh, imperialism in the Middle East. Governor Ron DeSantis, flanked by leaders of the Florida House and Senate, suspended local COVID emergency orders Monday, yesterday, and signed a proposal Lawmakers approved last week by their uh, with that limits government's ability to impose mask requirements and other social distancing measures used to combat the coronavirus this year. The bill also makes permanent DeSantis executive orders that prohibit vaccine passports, saying it's unnecessary to be policing people at this point, he said. The legislation signed Monday also makes it more difficult for local governments to mandate measures such as mask wearing or place limits on businesses' operate operations by requiring emergency orders to be narrowly tailored and to be in a seven-day increments totaling no more than 42 days. Thank you, Governor DeSantis. Great leadership. I think it goes without saying. I think he's the best governor in the United States. 
Christian Ohm is up there, but uh, he's the best. And I think he's done a great job of na uh, navigating us through this situation. Well, this is interesting. The stigma of the red MAGA hat has given away to the mask-free face as a way to recognize conservative citizens. The last thing left-leaning Americans want to be mistaken for is being a person on the right. Two women were walking down, according to one of us, uh, one, uh, out, outlet, two women were walking down the street in D.C. shortly after the release of the new CDC guidelines. The woman in their 20s debated the merits of the guidelines, not on health grounds, but on what people might think if they were to see their unmasked faces. I guess I'm vaccinated, so I don't have to wear a mask outside, but I really don't want people to think I'm like a Republican, a woman said over, was overheard saying. A June study from the Pew Research Center showed that 63% of Democrats and those who lean left believe that people who wear masks in public are at all times... It should be our pass at all times, while only 29% of Republicans and right-leaning people did. Uh, an NBC Wall Street Journal poll from the same time period found that a person's mask-wearing habits could indicate how they'll vote in 2020 presidential race. If you're masked, you are more likely to vote for Biden, while unmasked, more likely to vote for Trump. Those who don't mask have been equated with Trump supporters and conservatives. Trump supporters and conservatives have been defined by mainstream media simply as bad people, deplorables, racists, domestic terrorists, and so many other unpleasant things. So if you see people with masks on, maybe they're th just trying to send a message, hey, I'm not a conservative. Isn't that, that's so strange and so unhealthy. Well, a clinical scientist and immunologist virologist at Southern California Laboratory says he and colleagues from seven universities are suing the CDC for massive fraud. Now, why? The reason is this. Not one of 1,500 samples of people tested positive could find COVID-19. Let me repeat that. 1,500 tests, they were tested positive, no COVID-19. All people were simply found to have influenza A and, to a lesser extent, influenza B. This is consistent with previous findings of other scientists which we reported on several times. When we sent the rest of the samples to Stanford, Cornell, and a couple of other labs in the University of California, they came up with the same result, no COVID. They found influenza A and B. Then we all asked the CDC for viable samples of COVID. The CDC said that they can't give them because they don't have them those samples. How about that as a response? So we came to the hard conclusion through all of our research and lab work that COVID-19 was imaginary and fictitious, the flu was only called COVID, and most of the 225,000 deaths were from comorbidities such as heart disease, cancer, diabetes, pulmonary emphysema, and all the rest. They got the flu, from which further weakened their immune systems, and they died. That's unbelievable. The whole thing's been a farce. You know, I, you know, quite frankly, I believe it, but I'm not pushing the uh, conspiracy theory. Uh, why would we, for the first time in history, would we require healthy people to wear masks and stay inside? It makes no sense at all. What do we do when people have the flu? Well, they go home, they rest up, they get better or die. Uh, and people who don't have the flu are about doing their business. That's the way this whole thing should have been handled. Well, a Freedom of Information Act request has revealed what was apparent in February, that the CDC took guidance from a powerful teachers' union to determine their appropriate guidance for school reopenings. That's right. The CDC is listening to the teachers' union. The American Federation of Teachers told the CDC what guidance they thought would be best, suggesting both language and practices that the CDC should offer as school began 
the fraught process of reopening after months of closures. This information was obtained through a uh, Pfizer Freedom of Information request by the Americans for Public Trust. The AFT demanded that the CDC not recommend full reopenings of in-person classrooms. The New York Post reports, this was per emails between the CDC, the AFT, and the White House. The documents show a flurry of activity between CDC Director Rochelle Walensky and her top advisors and union officials when Biden, Bass, Biden Brass began uh, being in the loop in the White House in the days before the highly anticipated February 12th announcement on school reopenings. CDC Director Rochelle Walensky had said that schools should be the last thing to close and the first thing to reopen, but in February... In a move that was a surprise to many, she walked that back. The post-millennial reported that Walensky had seemingly sided with the teachers' union over science. And now the uh, Freedom of Information Act request shows plainly what happened. In a press briefing on February the 12th, the CDC admitted that it was not only science that used as guides, but also as understanding of the lived experiences, challenges, and perspectives of teachers and school staff, parents, and students. CDC is not pre presenting a science. They're presenting us the views of the uh, teachers' union, which is so sad. Well, under Pre President Biden's leadership, the Pentagon has rejected a permit for the annual Rolling to Remember motorcycle ride that is held in Washington, D.C. each year, uh, each Memorial Day, to honor uh, prisoners of war and missing in action veterans. The event is organized by the AMVETS, a veterans group, which submitted permit requests and petitions for the event in multiple federal agencies, according to a press release from Daryl Issa. AMVETS received approval from the Department of Transportation, the Department of Interior, and multiple other states and local authorities. Originally, the Pentagon granted a permit to AMVETS for the events in March. However, it was later rescinded without explanation. And then uh, they, they are basically ignoring, the, ignoring these guys, and they're saying now, there's not going to be an event, which is really too bad. I mean, I think it speaks volumes about the attitude of this administration towards the military and towards veterans. The Biden administration is making a terrible mistake by blocking a veteran's charity from the use of the Pentagon parking lot for the Rolling to Remember uh, event, my motorcycle ride, ISA said in a statement. The last-minute rejection, a first of its kind in more than 30 years, leaves patriotic veterans without a safe alternative. Thank you, President Joe Biden. Unbelievable. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest-established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Kathleen Pasadena, our state senator. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. 
Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They're proudly serving their board. They have a lot of initiatives. One of them is creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, although we're kind of swimming against the tide with this administration. But you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo. Right now, we have with us our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. You've got to be so grateful and uh, relieved that the legislative session is over. Absolutely. It, it, uh, it is a relief. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it was a great session, though, I think. Um, not a whole lot of controversy except for a few bills. Uh, we started out the session uh, thinking we'd be about uh, $5.5 billion in a deficit ah. um, that we'd have to make up your budget cuts, but with the help of the federal stimulus dollars, which, of course, is another story, yeah. uh, we were able to pass a $101 billion budget, which is unbelievable. Uh, it's, it's almost incomprehensible. It really is, and, uh, you know, I'm so proud of this legislature and, and the governor who, you know, we're, we're hearing that CDC mandates and masks and all kinds of things going around in the United States. Schools still closed, you name it. And things here were just kind of going along as normal, and I, I just really credit not only the governor but the state legislature for that as well. Yeah, thank you. And I, and I think Governor DeSantis uh, struck the right tone um, you know, when all the other states uh, were continued to be shut down, uh, he looked at all the science, all the statistics, and said, you know, our state of Florida is going to be open for business. 
we're going to do it responsibly, and we did. And so our state's economy has come roaring back, whereas other states uh, are using their federal stimulus dollars to backfill their uh, general budget. Uh, We did not have to do that. Uh, We did not have to make deep cuts uh, because, you you know, we managed, I I believe, fiscally responsibly. So the federal stimulus dollars that we are getting, uh, along with other other states, instead of backfilling our budget or... um, Showing up our pension funds, we're using that for road projects, infrastructure, resiliency issues, uh, things that uh, you know will help uh, create jobs and economic opportunities for our communities, yeah. but are not going to be long-term expenses. So right. uh, I feel really good about where we ended up this budget cycle. Yeah, well, congratulations on recurring expenses and the capital expenditures. I think is a great way to use that money. So. Uh, indeed, well done. Now, yesterday, the, the governor held a press conference with, uh, flanked by a number of legislators, and he basically said, it's over. No more mask mandates. <laughs> no. <laughs> he, he basically uh, just ended the whole thing. It was so cool. What, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I think uh, people are, um, you know, COVID fatigue has settled in, and people want to get back to normal, and I, I think our... Um, appreciative of the governor's uh, efforts and 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 the other thing is that you know almost everybody that's vulnerable has been uh, vaccinated as, as far as I can tell and you can tell by the fact that there's not long lines you can get online and get the sign up for vaccination easily so I think the governor's initial plan of vaccinating the uh, elderly folks in the nursing homes and assisted living facilities was the right call because they were the most vulnerable and that population has been protected. So the people who aren't getting vaccinated, generally younger people who feel like they're invincible, as we all did when we were, you know, in our 20s, if they get COVID, they don't appear to get as sick as uh, others. So I think it was the right decision. Yeah, I do, I do too. And I also want to credit the governor with making these comments. He basically said, hey, you know, the folks in Florida make pretty good decisions. And I'm, we're just going to trust them if they have uh, repressed, suppressed uh, immune systems to, to stay, you know, very cautious uh, if you haven't had the vaccine and so forth. So he basically said, look, we'll, we'll let Floridians decide how they're going to handle their health. We're not going to have mandates. I think it's so important to maintain constitutional rights because that's exactly what's happened. They're being trampled on by other states. Well, and I think one of the things that we have to bear in mind, and, and that gets to the heart of the uh, COVID liability bill that was one of the first bills we passed, mm. which is um, you know, protecting businesses and healthcare workers. If you follow the CDC guidelines, then uh, you're not going to be held responsible if uh, someone you come in contact with or a patient of their whatever uh, uh, contracts COVID, you're not responsible unless you were negligent. So I think uh, the governor, the governor's concept in my mind is, you know, you act responsibly and think about what you're doing and those, and I think you also have to look at whatever the CDC guidelines are and they're, they're relaxing their rules as well. And I think as uh, the summer continues on, I think there'll be less and less restrictions and hopefully 
completely back to normal by the end of the summer. Wouldn't that be great? So uh, just a uh, uh, yeah, very successful session. So uh, aside from the budget and uh, passing a budget that is balanced, which you have to do, uh, any other right. highlights of, of the session? Well, you know, you kind of divide the, the um, uh, session into segments. And, of course, our number one priority other than the budget was pandemic recovery. So we had a number of pieces of legislation dealing with that. As I mentioned, the, the, uh, the COVID liability bill. We also uh, did some uh, passed some uh, legislation regarding uh, executive orders and, and the like. Um and looked at the pandemic from a holistic perspective, how we're going to deal with this when it happens again. Um, then there's environmental issues. We, we uh, not only put a lot of dollars into uh, environmental funding, we created a, a, a pathway to uh, water storage north of the lake by legislation. Uh, we also uh, uh, moved forward on the governor's resiliency task force and um, are going to make sure that that is something that's front and center, as, you know, in the future. So those environmental, we put significant dollars into education, K through 12 teachers, uh, salary raises, bonuses. Uh, we also gave bonuses to um, uh, healthcare workers who who worked during the pandemic. Um, so you know, but, but the education we did not cut the colleges and universities. Um, and in fact, gave many of them dollars for uh, construction from the stimulus money. Wow! Um, and then, you know, moving on to healthcare, well, we did something really significant. We put a couple hundred million dollars into um, Medicaid for pregnant women, which is has been a problem. Huh. You know, we have these. And so that was something. There's a lot that we did. I could go on and on. I know we're going to run out of time, but well, that's, I think it was a pretty significant session. Well, it certainly was. And uh, well, I just really thank you for your service up there in Tallahassee and everything that you're doing. And uh, now it's not next year; it's the year following that you will be the president of the Senate. Well, God willing. God willing. <laughs> if we keep our majority in the in the Senate, which I'll do my best to uh, to effect. Do, do you happen to know what your role will be next year? I would be, I'll continue to serve as rules chair, I believe. That was a lot of work. Is, I know. I love, I love that position. It's, um, it's the right front and center and involved in everything. Uh, that's great to hear. Uh, again, uh, Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator, I genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo right here on the Paradise Coast. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round, 
Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of 1st Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse. I served, proudly served, for 15 years as board chairman of Gulf Shore Playhouse. And now look what they're doing, building this new performing arts center in downtown Naples. I think they're going to break ground this year. I hope you'll visit the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo, Boo Mortensen, right here on the Paradise Coast. Boo, thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, every day I wake up filled with gratitude that I live in this state. Me too. That's, in fact, uh, <laughs> I'm so grateful. You know, just think about what other states are going through right now. And DeSantis yesterday just said, that's it. No more mandates. In fact, he said he made it very difficult for any city or municipality or government agency to have mask mandates. So, uh, pretty cool. Oh, you got to love it. That guy is just a rock star. Yeah. And I'll tell you, you know, when I go back to Madison, you know, the rest of Wisconsin is open. It's pretty open. Uh-huh. I mean, it's, it's very open. Dane County, where the capital and the university is, nope. Wow. Does... So it will be a big adjustment for us to go back and to... Uh, uh, it would be like living on a different planet, to tell you the truth. Yeah, so are you, does it mute your interest to uh, go back, or to, you know, do you want to stay longer? No, I'm not excited to go back at all. Yeah. I'd stay down here longer, but, you know, we have responsibilities back up north, and so off we go at the end of the month. Yeah. But I have to tell you, you know, we're, we're hearing now in the news about Asia bashing, and I thought, well, I wonder... You know, I don't know a lot about the demographics of Asians, Asian Americans. Well, I'm going to give you a little primer on what I found out. Okay. There are now 23 million Asian Americans. There will be 46 million in 2016. Wow. They are projected to be the nation's largest immigrant group. Wow. By the middle of the century. Largest. Wow. Surpassing Hispanics. Wow. Well, you know what they're... Would uh, you have known that? No, I didn't. That's so interesting to me. That indicates that they are uh, 
their families, they're not like one uh, child families. They're having many kids, which is good. Frankly, they're high achievers, if you're going to so in some way kind of categorize people. In fact, uh, Harvard uh, was sued uh, for discrimination against uh, against Asians because there were they were uh, they were allowing kids who were less uh, talented and less uh, prepared to come to Harvard at the expense of the Asian community. So, just one example of uh, you know how they really achieve and do a great job. They really do more than half of the Asians half uh, have a bachelor's degree hmm. and more, or more education. Now, if you compare that to the rest of the U.S. population, the same age group, that the rest of the population is 33% Asians or 54%. Huh. And I'll bet those degrees are not in English literature. <laughs> I would guess they're all in some sort no. of science or you know, some way, to, to something that can lead to productivity. Most of the Asians live, Asian Americans live in the West, 45% of them do. Huh. Mainly, fifty-seven percent of the population in Hawaii is Asian, and a third of Asians live in California. Huh. Interesting. And the last thing I'll tell you is that they have a high annual household income. Yeah, so I would I would guess that it exceeds the average by a significant amount. It does. It's eighty-five thousand. That's high. That is high. I think the what is the average in the, for the average in the United States? I think it's less than uh, fifty thousand. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting so, thoughts. They're well educated. They work hard. Um, they're smarter than heck. Yep. And uh, the thing that stunned me most of what I told you is that they were will surpass uh, the Latinos, the Hispanics. I never thought that. Uh, neither did I. That is just amazing information. So, back we 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 mentioned uh, DeSantis earlier. Uh, we've got a good crop of leaders right here in in Florida. You know, between Scott and uh, um, DeSantis, and then who's the other one? Rubio. Um, Rubio. Rubio. I mean, holy Toledo! Do we have a a strong group of politicians coming out of the state? The interesting thing is is to see. And, and I think that they all have, they're all very ambitious. It will be, it will be interesting to see which one comes to the top of all of this. Yeah, so interesting. Well, I, I, I know uh, Rick Scott pretty well. I haven't uh, spent a lot of time with him or t talked to him in a while. But uh, I can tell you that he is extremely focused. And I know that a lot of things that are going on in the country, uh, he's not happy with. Uh, for example, health care and, and uh, the government involvement. I also know that he believes he has solutions. I know he has solutions. So uh, I think he would probably inspire to be president, not for his own personal benefit, but for, to, to fix the problems in the country. Rubio, I'm not sure about. Uh, I, uh, Rubio, I know that it wanted to quit the Senate a couple years back, and uh, he was encouraged to stay in the Senate so we didn't lose that seat. So I don't know what his political aspirations might be. I, I think he might actually go into the private sector. Just my guess. DeSantis, mm -hmm. DeSantis, I think, is a rock star. and uh, I think they're grooming him for big things, and I think the Democratic Party is, is, uh, has anxiety. Yeah, I think you're, you're right about that. Uh, but, you know, it's based on his performances and not his aspirations. I think he wants to be governor another term, which would, I think, preclude him from being the, uh, a candidate in 2024. He may wait until the following election cycle. 
Uh, but that said, uh, he just makes great decisions. Another candidate person that I'll point out is Byron Donalds. I don't know about you, but I see him. Well, he was on uh, Levin, Mark Levin's show. He did, there was a mm-hmm. half an hour interview there. I've seen him on uh, morning shows, the Friends and Fox and Friends or whatever it might be, for a significant uh, period of time talking. Uh, he's, he's getting a lot of notoriety and a lot of leadership. Uh, I quite frankly think he's going to be a rising star in Florida as well. Well, there's something about Florida that uh, uh, we produce great, great uh, politicians, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, and now we have no mask mandate and the rest throughout the whole state. How cool is that? It's very cool. In the meantime, we've got Joe and Jill are visiting uh, schools in Virginia as part of the Get Back to America tour track. So, so they're uh, tour, I should say, and they're they're trying to promote this new <laughs> families program that they have. So he delivered remarks to Tidewater Community College at Boo, and uh, it's done on his two trillion dollar infrastructure program. And he defended the tax hike by saying, anybody making less than $400,000 a year will not pay a single penny in taxes. <laughs> there you go. And he, on, the same, on the same day, he visited a classroom of elementary school children. He asked them if they were in the ninth grade. I mean, he just, he's, <laughs> he just doesn't have a clue, does he? No. Oh, God. No. Oh, God. So uh, I, I think you can't that, make this stuff up, Bob. No, but I think I think what this is going to lead to. You may heard I've heard that the, in the runoff for that. Now, what was his name? Uh, the uh, guy who died in Congress. Well, not one Democrat made the ticket. They, they take the two highest candidates, and both were Republicans. This is down in Texas, and uh, so I think that might be a canary in the coal mine for 2022 for the election cycle. Well, it'll be interesting. And, you know, 2022 will be here before you know it. Exactly. Last question before I let you go. Bill and Melinda Gates are getting a divorce after 27 years of marriage. Uh, You know, I saw that. Isn't that disappointing? uh, I don't know that that was my first reaction, but any time that a a long-term relationship breaks up, it is disappointing. You want people to, I mean, what are they going to do now? You know, that makes no sense at their age. No, and I, they just seem to be so together and unified in what they do. Obviously, we don't know them as people, but I just thought, boy, if there was ever a couple that was grounded and wanted to make the world a better place and, and, and had the money behind them, they were walking the talk. Yeah. I thought that is the pair that is amazing. And then to hear that, you know, somehow I have a feeling they may be getting divorced, but I have a feeling they will always remain friends. Well, uh, that, of course, uh, we, don't, we don't know. What I understood, uh, what I remember from uh, years ago, is that apparently he's on the autism, autism spectrum. So he may be a difficult person to live with. Oh, I bet he is. Yeah. 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 Did you ever see the documentary Inside Bill's Brain? No, I didn't. I'm not sure I want to make it. (laughs) He's a remarkable man. I think he's very quirky. Yeah. And if he's on the autism spectrum, then he probably is. And, you know, you know how men are. 
I do. Do they get better with age or do they get more difficult with age? Yeah, exactly. Well, my belief is the older we get, the more like ourselves we become. So, <laughs> <laughs> Boo Mortensen again, always interesting to get your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Have a good day. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Listen to the Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, there's Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform. I hope you'll find out more by visiting choicesocial.us, choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with my wife, Linda. She writes greetings from Paradise. We'll find out what's new on the Paradise Coast. Right now, we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. Seton, tell us about uh, Less Government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of the government, and not even my dog believes it. <laughs> yes. Well, we keep on trying, though, don't we? It's amazing. My dog knows what's up, and half the country doesn't. Yeah, exactly. So, Seton, uh, you wrote a column in Red State. It's really good. Government mandating prices is just as stupid when states and localities do it. I couldn't agree more, but tell us about it. Well, of course, we have a lot of debate about the federal minimum wage, right? Yeah. And, of course, that's, that's dumb on a trillion, you know, a trillion different levels. Market prices are determined by market forces. And there are hundreds, if not thousands, of market forces. 
Right. And companies are constantly adjusting their prices. What's a good price today may be too high tomorrow and too low the next day. All because of all these millions of things that are affecting the price of the, you know, the ingredients in your product, the, 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 the uh, external affairs if you're trading globally. There's, I, I, could, I could spend the next 20 minutes listing factors that lead into the price of a product. Right. Well, government deciding to mandate something is completely ignoring millions of these factors and doesn't adjust on the fly the way the companies do when setting the prices. Right. Um, we, you know, the, the left complains we haven't adjusted the minimum wage in 20 years. Well, does, well what does that tell you? Tells you that the government doesn't pay attention to market forces. Whether you think the minimum wage is a good idea or not, they don't constantly adjust the minimum wage, right? I mean, it's, right. They, and of course, the minimum wage is a price. You're, it's the price of labor, right? And it, it, you're buying labor just like you're buying wood to build your deck or buying, you know, uh, steel to build your cars. It's the right. price of doing business, right? And the government setting the price is stupid. Now, the federal government has an additional level of stupidity, which is a fifteen dollar minimum wage in Manhattan, New York City, is different than a fifteen dollar minimum wage in Manhattan, Kansas. Right. It's absurd in Manhattan, Kansas, because everything is so cheap there that you're pricing everybody out of every job there is in Manhattan, Kansas, pretty much. Right, which um, under, except I, I, for, of course, the college professors at Kansas State. Yeah. Um, but if you go to the states and localities, it doesn't get any better. Yeah. Because, for, uh, you know, for example, New York State, Cuomo just signed a bill mandating that poor people get $15 per month Internet access. Huh. Well, there's a reason it costs more than $15 a month to get Internet access for everybody. It's because it costs more than $50 to create right. 50, the bandwidth to uh, connect everybody to the Internet. And what you're going to do is, just like you see with the minimum wage, Seattle did it locally several years ago. It was very famous. Uh, everybody, lots of people get fired, lots of people get their hours cut, lots of people lose benefits of all sorts at the job, because the, you know, the money has to come from somewhere. Right. Likewise, when you say, okay, we're gonna, you know, whether you're capping it high, you know, artificially inflating the wage price, or artificially lowering, capping the, the purchase price, it's, the, it's two sides of the same coin. Right. The money they lose on those customers, they have to make up somewhere else, which means not only do poor people not get any more attention when, when people are expanding access or improving uh, service because they're not, it's, it's not a moneymaker, it's a money loser, right. but additionally, everybody gets screwed because the money they lose there, they have to make up somewhere else. Right. And that means all of our investment, all of our service gets less investment, less speed increases, less uh, quality in- improvements, because the money is being diminished by this stupid law. Right. Now, you know, uh, Seton, uh, I appreciate this commentary because uh, this legislation that they're proposing and what they want to do with the, about the minimum wage, for example, uh, the real min- minimum wage is zero. If yes. you don't, if you don't have a job, you're not making any money. Right, right. So, and and of course, you know, I even cited a study from 
I, I forget somewhere it was um, it, it was it was it was either one of the networks or uh, the regular networks or the NPR reported it, but it said, "Hey, good news! Raising the minimum wage to nine uh, to uh, fifteen dollars an hour will raise nine hundred thousand people out of poverty." Oh, and by the way, one point five million people will lose their jobs. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll be on welfare. I'm like, uh, now uh, you know you don't need to be a mathematician to know that the numbers there don't add up properly. Right. Well, so, again, we we you know, and I I I, I'm, I have to curtail myself from writing these two thousand word treatises I want to write every morning. Um, so I leave out a bunch of stuff. One of the things I wanted to leave out was, you know, we're having this big giant debate about you know. Connectivity. The poor are not connected to the internet. Yeah, and now you're going to cap the price. Yeah, unbelievable. And you're going to do just to the poor people with with bandwidth the same thing you're going to do to poor people with a minimum wage, which is drive them out of the marketplace entirely. Right. Government interference. Just think of what's happened to healthcare as a result of government interference. All these unintended consequences are just amazing. You know what? I almost put my head through a television yesterday, Bob. <laughs> Joe Biden comes out and says we have to have the government ensure affordable, quality healthcare yeah, uh, for everybody. And I'm like. You were standing next to Obama when they said they did that with Obamacare you 10 could, years ago. You could keep your doctor maximum $2,500 for, <sighs> for insurance. And, and, and again, television head through, you know, head through television moment. Yeah. I, I've, I've linked to this a week or so ago where the three Obama speechwriters were on the Charlie Rose program before he got summarily dismissed for groping women. Um, and they... they they brought up, uh, one of the writers brought up that, oh, he was the guy, that guy, and he points to one of the other writers, he was the guy that wrote, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor, which was so awfully anti-factual, the Washington Post said it was the lie of the year, the Washington Post. Yeah, yeah. And they all yuck it up like it was so funny. <laughs> he wrote the lie of the year, isn't that hilarious? Uh, it, reminds, it reminds me of the interview with uh, Harry Reid when uh, they, they yes. chided him, they chided him for cheating. And he said, For, he what, lied about Mitt Romney and said he hadn't paid his taxes in whatever number of years. He, and he said it on the Senate floor because that way he's immune from li libel right. lawsuits. But, and so he said, well, we won, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's just off. Seat yeah, Motley again. Yeah, the the end justifies the means. Yeah, that's it. Machiavelli and Seat Motley, the founder and uh, president of Less Government. I hope you'll visit lessgovernment.org. You can also visit uh, Less Government on Facebook. Seat, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden. That's right. She's my wife. She's also the author of a terrific. Uh, she, she hasn't written one in a while. It is called Greetings from Paradise. You can find them all on my website at bobharden at hotmail.com. Greetings from Paradise. Uh, we're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. As I mentioned before the break, we have with us Linda Harden. That's right. She's my lovely wife. She also writes, Greetings from Paradise. you find, again, the column on my website, Greetings from Paradise. Linda, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning. You're always staying up to date with things that are going on. And uh, uh, to me, I used to watch... I used to report every day the number of cases of coronavirus, and now it's becoming very spotty because the Naples Daily News is not reporting it. It's almost like they're disappointed that the number of cases is going down. Well, the, the headline on the Naples Daily News this morning is that uh, COVID cases are plummeting in Florida. Gee, I wonder how that fits in with their narrative that Ron DeSantis is doing a lousy job and he opened up too soon and all this other nonsense that yeah. they've been trying to put forward. In the meantime, we've got the president of the United States walking around with a couple of masks on and he's... Uh, <laughs> he's uh, well, here's, here's what I think. Yeah. Here's what I think. And I said this on social media, so it's not a secret. I don't think he ever got a vaccine. You know. I don't think he got a vaccine. I don't think um, Heels Up Harris got a vaccine. Uh A.K.A. Cackle, A.K.A. Kamala Harris. Um, Heels up here. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think Fauci got a, a vaccine just because what I mentioned to you before, because he he screwed up and reached for the wrong arm when yeah. when asked how he felt. Yeah. I think I think that they're doing it because not to not to still promote fear to try and promote fear and separation, which is one thing. But I don't think they got it. Well, irrespective of that, I mean, uh, these uh, scientists from California, they are suing the CDC because they checked 1,500 COVID, positive COVID tests, all of which 
uh, had no COVID whatsoever. In fact, all they had was uh, the flu, A and B. No, you know what? The CDC is just so so corrupt, and and everything that's going on um, is is just they're trying to they're trying to cover their backsides now. Yeah, you know it's it's so disappointing. You see, the CDC, which is a, you want to count on your public health officials to give you good information about and guidance for health. I don't trust the CDC, uh, the CIA, the FBI. You think about all these federal agencies that seem so corrupt. I mean, and now they want you and I to be designated as domestic terrorists. Yeah, and you know what I was thinking, too, is that um, all this um, raiding of Rudy Giuliani's and Victoria Tensing's homes and whatever, let's just say, let's just ask a big question that's, that's looming out there that nobody's asking. Why aren't they raiding Andrew Cuomo's house? Or how about Hunter Biden's? Yeah. I mean, it is, it is the hypocrisy and the double standard is screaming. Yeah. How about uh, this uh, woman who was shot in the Capitol building? I Ashley mean, she, Babbitt. Ashley Babbitt. I mean, where's the justice there? Why don't we know who shot the gun? Why don't we know? Uh, they're just ignoring the entire episode. Uh, and and uh, here's, here's the thing. They think that we're all stupid and that they can just promote all this stuff and, and we're just like little sheep going, yes, sir, yes, sir, three bags full. We'll believe anything you tell us. And guess what? We're not. Yeah, that's exactly right. In fact, I think a lot of people, what I'm seeing is I'm beginning to see negative comments about President Biden and, and uh, from the mainstream media. I think, all, I wonder if they're turning on him a little bit. I, I don't know. I don't know about that. I haven't seen... As much. I, here's what I have noticed, though. I have noticed that, um, well, they were trying to promote the other day what a great job he's doing. In the, oh. Uh, and it's just like, really? Yeah. Again, do they really think that we're that stupid? But what I was going to say was the White House press corps <clears throat> is, is pushing back on um, uh, Jen Psaki, the, the, the person who took... Um, Haley McEnany's place. Yeah, she, our press secretary. They're they're not letting her by get by with much, which is a surprise to me. Yeah. So so to your point, I think the media is starting to start to close in on. Yeah, and and, and being forced to ask questions like, really, why isn't the border a crisis? These people are streaming over our our borders and and testing positive for um, the coronavirus, and and you're not paying attention yet. You're sending these people to all parts. Of, why does that make sense? Yeah. And she's trying to tap dancer as fast as she can about this, and she's not getting away with it. No, I mean, uh, Kamala Harris has yet to go to the border. Uh, she hasn't, uh, we have a crisis there. They're starting to downplay the numbers to say the numbers are not significant. They're actually lower than they were in March, blah, blah, blah. You know, again, what, 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 I'm very suspicious. I think it's all lies. Well, what you know what, it's so funny to me is that, is that Joe Biden has been quote-unquote president since January 20th. All they can talk about is Trump, still. All they can talk about is Trump. Yeah, you know, Trump came out and he says, uh, said something to the effect that uh, President uh, Biden is a big lie. <laughs> he's, you know, he's basically saying he didn't win the presidency. And I think, you know, with what's going on in Maricopa County and what I believe there will soon be an audit in, uh, in uh, Georgia, I believe there will be an audit also in Wisconsin, uh, I think, in Michigan, I think a lot, I think that actually there's going to be absolute proof that President uh, Trump won the election. Well, that was one of the titles of uh, Mike Lindell's uh, yeah. uh, videos. Um, by the way, did you mention New Hampshire? The, the 
the backlash they got in New Hampshire last night by the, these people who wanted to be on the election board or some board. And, and They're all liberals. Well, yeah, and the, and the people showed up and just spoke out and said, we're not taking this anymore. Yeah. We're not taking this anymore. And God bless the people in Arizona, Maricopa County. The, the, the people, Rachel Maddow and those people on MSNBC, are in meltdown mode because they're just going, holy crap, these people are going <laughs> forward with this audit. What are they doing? What are they doing? Yeah. How can they be doing this? And yet they're just plugging along. Yeah. I mean, they've got actually drones. They've got uh, uh, liberals who kind of go. Apparently, they've got liberals in pink shirts. <laughs> they, had a little, they put a, set up a little carnival outside to distract it. Yeah. Um, what the one thing that really stands out to me? What happened in the last few days? And I know you didn't watch. You were out, but um, I watched Mir- Maria Bartiromo on Sunday, mm-hmm. and um, I and she had A.G. Paxson, Attorney General Paxson of Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, Maria Bartiromo was the first one, the first one on Fox who actually asked um, Attorney General Paxson, was this election rigged? And he says, absolutely. Yeah. Was it stolen? He says, if we had not um, sued all these people who wanted to bring in all these mail-in ballots, we would have been in the same position as as." Georgia, we sued, I think he said 12 lawsuits, and they won every one. And he says, and she says, well, do you think the, the, uh, this election was stolen? He says, absolutely. And he says, I applaud what's going on in Arizona, what's going to happen in Georgia and all these other states, because it was happening. And, and the, uh, um, AG in, in Georgia, Raffensperger is, I bet right now hiding under his bed. He's because, apoplectic, yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, they're coming after him. Yeah, I think so. So it should be so interesting. I mean, uh, we had these school board elections down in Texas that apparently 70% of the uh, people voted for uh, conservatives. So what we're seeing now is a lot of backlash. The two top candidates in the Texas uh, race for uh, re- representative to replace, I think his name was Wright, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And, uh, you know, uh there wasn't a Democrat that qualified for the race, so... No, and his wife, who who was running for it, absolutely mowed down any any uh, competitor that she had. Yeah, it's just so... It's an interesting time right now. I think a lot of these things that are going on are canaries in the coal mine, leading to, I think, a big, big changeover in, in uh, what's happening in Washington, D.C. with elected officials. I think we're going to see a Democrat lands, uh, Republican landslide. I think that things, be, even before the election of 2022, I think some big, big things are going to be happening. Big things. Me, I think that as well. We get all, we think alike, don't we? <laughs> yeah. I know, it's a good thing, huh? It's a good better, better than Bill and Melinda, uh, Melinda Gates, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Let, let's just say this. Speaking of Bill and Melinda Gates, guess what? They didn't have a prenup. So how are they going to sp- split up $130 billion? That should be really interesting. Uh, well, you know what? Uh, I would say the attorneys will get a third, uh, and each of them will get a third. My last word for today is money can't buy happiness. happiness. Absolutely. Linda Harden, again, words of wisdom to end on. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. You're welcome. All right. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly had fun and learned a lot. Uh, Tomorrow, we're going to have an extensive interview with Andrew Joppa, professor at Mercy College and author of Josephus of Oz. 
Larry Bell is an endowed professor at the University of Houston. He'll be joining us. He's written several books as well. Look forward to having him on the show. Always appreciate your feedback on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com if you'd like to be on the newsletter distribution list. Again, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you're making a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>